Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Cece. And this is Claire. And happy Sunday to everyone listening in to our page 6 of our Season 3, Episode 7 of Sendition. Grab a snack or sip some tea as we dive into our culture chat on... COP26. So for those who don't know, COP26 is a 2021 UK climate change convention, and it started on October 31st and ended on November 12th. And basically what resulted was just a lot of compromises and agreements, and this was all compiled into something called the Glasgow Climate Agreement. So I think for the COP26, there's a lot of arguments and disagreements over whether this was anything effective. Cece, have you heard anything about COP26 so far? Um, not. I've heard a little about, like, if we're going to attend the U.S. and whatnot. If I'm not wrong, like, isn't it similar? Like, what's the difference between Glasgow Climate Agreement and the Paris Climate Accord? Um, I'm pretty sure it's just more, more modern and... And there's more urgency, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so one of the biggest things was that nature's potential was finally realized, as in, like, people have finally started to realize that deforestation is horrible because it affects our ecosystems and it affects how much greenhouse gas emissions we put into the air, right? So that's one of the big takeaways from COP26. Because before, people were like, oh, deforestation is cool because we need more land. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted it for profit. But now, nations and leaders are starting to realize that deforestation sucks. So, going back to whether this was any bit successful, we can take a look at the Glasgow Climate Agreement first, which is the document that came out of COP26. And it's just a bunch of achievements, goals that they want to keep in mind. For the future but i do want to say that if you look through the document you should probably take a look at the verbs because they're super vague <laughs> they have a bunch of verbs like acknowledge note expressing recognizing and i don't know about you cc but to me those connotations seem extremely weak what do you think i definitely agree that there's it's always good to acknowledge things and like so for me, being a student council, right, a lot of the protocol is like we have to acknowledge it before we do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. Or we have to note, express, recognize. Like there's a bunch of like that kind of stuff we have to do before we're able to take action. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's I don't know if it's necessary per se because I'm not too into like I, I really haven't thought about like what's the most efficient way to do this is it even efficient to change the protocol but it it does get tedious you know and it's like it feels very empty right because Mm -hmm. you're not it's less acknowledging for what it is but acknowledging it to get out of the way to do something you know that's true if you put it like that i mean at the same time i think the planning part is good just so then we know what we need to keep in mind or we need to, you know, take into account as we move forward. But, you know, at the same time, it's like a 10-page document. And I'm just, I don't know. 
Oh, I feel it's like um the school. Uh, so my school does a really good job of kind of bringing in um the indigenous people in the of this area because there's a pretty good population. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a pretty big landowner of La Jolla. Mm-hmm. So we often do the same where we acknowledge the Kumaya land. But at the same time, it feels, it's good to do that, but it feels very, it falls flat sometimes for me. And I, from what I've heard, like a lot of students, because UCSD is also like fucking us over sometimes. Oh, for real? You know, like our water tastes nasty, our stairs are wobbly. um, Taking a final yesterday outside in the rain under a tent is like, wow, you know? What did you... What? (laughs) Like, ratchet. And the terrible Wi-Fi and the issues of housing and, like, UCSD trying to bring in more people without, like, kind of accommodating for the people that who are already here. It it feels fake. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty sure the whole people thing, like, accommodating for more people, Berkeley got in serious trouble for that. Like, the city yeah. suit. So, <laughs> so, yeah. It's definitely, like, and maybe it's because I've been, like, it could be bad that it's happening, that, like, I f- feel so immune to, like, those words, acknowledge, express, uh, like, recognizing. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do much, like, at all. Like, there's a, of course, it's not as good as taking action, doing this, doing that. Right. It just feels like. It feels faker than it is. Than it should be, or than it really is, right? Yeah, yeah. And beside the whole acknowledge, note, express, and recognizing in the weak connotations, there just aren't many specificities or clear goals throughout this document, and there's just a lot of ideas and principles that we're supposed to follow. And even if the whole point of this document is just to lay out some principles for the future, there's still no way to make sure that these countries and nations will actually stick to them. If you know what I mean. There's no accountability anywhere. Anywhere. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. This is just from what I'm seeing. I don't know if they decided something during the COP that none of us were able to see or hear. But, I don't know. As someone who's concerned about climate change or someone that follows stuff like this now it's kind of disheartening to see that there's no surefire way to make sure that everybody's doing their part and doing what they need to do but that's just looking at this climate agreement this weird piece of paper that just has a bunch of goals and achievements and stuff yeah i think another big issue is the people represented at cop 26 Because I think all of us, or most of us, would expect everybody to be equally represented. For example, like communities with indigenous peoples and people of color. Like, that would have been so amazing to see. But in reality, there's a huge gap because the most represented group was actually fossil fuel companies. How freaking ironic is that? It's so sad. Because um, Global Witness which is a human rights organization, they made some analysis on COP26 and its delegates, so the people that were there. And they found that some delegates had links to fossil fuel companies. 
and that some of those delegates were parts of official country designations from Canada, Russia, and Brazil. So basically, it's just like officials that are representing these fossil fuel companies. It's the people that we're supposed to think that are, you know, trying to help our environment, obviously. Maybe they have some other things going on. I was wondering just like, how do they get chosen to go? I'm not sure either. Maybe they're like government officials or something. Like, for example, for us, maybe possibly, I don't know if this is true, but maybe it's like someone from the EPA or something like that. But, you know, it's still pretty sad. And I think around over 100 fossil fuel companies are represented, including Royal Dutch, Shell, Gazprom, and BP, as well as 30 trade associations and membership organizations. Any thoughts on this, CC? Okay, so it's like the delegates are representatives of parties to the convention and the observer states, whatever that means, members of press and media, and then last is representative of observer organizations. Uh-huh. So according to those, that shouldn't, like, I don't, like, it's expected, right? Because I feel like fossil fuel companies are considered observer organizations. Mm. Okay, then in that case. Right, because this is not, like, there are official, like, say they do come out with a plan, right? Mm-hmm. How are they going to enforce that plan? Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a considered a... It's, like, based on an agreement, right? Mm-hmm. So it's based on people's good faiths. Like, even yeah. the country's good faith to do what it is. So yeah. naturally, I think it's... Naturally, they would invite fossil fuel companies to kind of try to convince them to do this or that. Or the fossil fuel companies brought these people in to convince other people not to do it. Who knows? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, then we can say, oh, maybe they're there to see what they can do better, right? Maybe they're trying to help, but, you know, I hope that's likely. Yeah. I don't know. There's, you know. I think that's why they were, if they were invited, that would be the reason why. I hope Yeah, Sorry, if they were invited, that would be the reason why. I really hope so. Aside from that, there were some successes, we can say, I think, because one of those things is that COP26 sparked discussions, I'd say, because one of the examples is my English class. We dedicated two whole weeks to really dive in depth about COP26, its topics, its goals, what they're talking about. We read a bunch of articles about the conference's progress, topics, and goals, and we all had to compile an annotated bibliography and post in our class discussion. So if anyone wanted to take a look, then we could, you know, just browse through the discussion. But even if people didn't take a look at the end of the day, we still got some information out just because we had to do it ourselves. And during class time, we had lots of discussions about COP26. And to be honest, a lot of people learned a lot, I think. Lots of people talked because we had to, but you know. It was beneficial. And I would say another example is this podcast right now, because obviously we thought COP26 was worth talking about. And I'm using my English class stuff to, you know, fuel this conversation. So discussion spurs on discussion. So some of the goals from COP26 
I guess this is another success is that they're setting out to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 and change impact on nature. And a thousand universities from 68 countries agreed. So this is like a new initiative of nature positive universities. This is more like a smaller group of people and I guess groups that are putting in new efforts. It's also pretty notable because of, you know, like I said before, the importance of nature-based solutions being finally advocated for. Another very important goal that we see come out of this is eradicating deforestation by 2030. And we all know that deforestation pretty much sucks because it results in fewer crops, flooding, loss of habitat for animals, and last but not least, release of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere because if I were to get all scientific, trees trap the carbon dioxide and some other greenhouse gases into them, and then when we cut down the trees, everything gets released back into the air. And it's a shitstorm, pretty much. Just because it's like suddenly, whoosh, a bunch of greenhouse gases gets into the atmosphere. And it just makes everything worse. A hundred world leaders, including those from the United States, the United Kingdom, China, Brazil, and Russia vowed to end deforestation, and they all pledged $19.2 billion for this, which honestly shocked me, because that's so much money. And over 30 financial companies will work to end investments linked to deforestation. And I'm so glad about that last part, just because there's no regulations or anything about deforestation right now. There's a lot about, like, fossil fuels, but there's nothing about deforestation. Like, even Target somehow supports deforestation. We just never knew about that. Yeah, Target. It's just that it's never been shut down or anything like that, because we all know fossil fuels suck. They're so bad for the environment. But nobody has ever been advocating for deforestation or for companies to stop it, right? So there's actually a ton of companies out there with links to deforestation and their support. Hmm. Yeah, like even Nike or Adidas is doing it too. Well, literally Nike has sweatshops, so I wouldn't be surprised. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, they're they're trying to do better, but you know, it's still not good enough. And the last goal I wanted to talk about is reduce methane gases by 30% by 2030. And for those who don't know, methane is pretty much one of the most powerful greenhouse gases ever. And it accounts for about a quarter of current emissions, and over 100 countries agree to this. Cristiana Figueres, who is the head of the United Nations Climate Change Convention that created the Paris Climate Accord of 2015, she even spoke up about this, which also surprised me. We were all very oh. much fangirling over this earlier in English. Everyone was like, oh my god, she's the one that created the Paris Climate Agreement? Oh my god! Anyway, she said COP26 was kind of a success. Not so much a failure, but also not so much a success. Just kind of <laughs> in between. Which, you know, that's also where I stand, just because there's so much that's being nuanced that kind of makes this COP26 seem a little bit bad and not living up to its potential but there's still some things we can celebrate but she had three reasons so the first one is 1.5 degrees celsius is the new 2 degrees celsius and what that means is that we're just getting more ambitious and lowering how much our degrees celsius will rise so how much global warming we're putting out 
and instead of lowering it to 2 degrees Celsius, we are on our way to lower it to 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is a step forward, but of course, still dangerous, as we can all tell. But it, you know, we gotta take things step by step. Our second reason is that COP26 set some good deadlines for our nations, and she said that our third set of national efforts to reduce emissions and contribute to climate solutions is technically not set for another five years. And that's a pretty long time, right? Considering that we're, what, about seven years away from Earth being completely uninhabitable. But then COP26 reduced the deadline to the end of 2022 instead, which shows how... That's like one year. Yeah, exactly. In one year. So that just shows that our climate crisis is more urgent. Honestly, to me, that seems like still a little bit of time, but like more time than should be needed. But, you know, policies and things like that do take time. Our third and final reason that she mentioned is nature is finally being recognized for its potential. And we can see this because $20 billion in commitments of public and private money were set aside for forest protection. And this is the first for a climate cop. So we've already talked about how deforestation is super harmful. And we also talked about how countries are trying to get rid of deforestation by 2030. So this is a very, very big step forward. So overall, COP26, I think, is a success and a failure. What do you think, Cece? I think it's a, I would say it's a success Mm. in terms of, like, that's, it's better than what we expected, and, you know, it worked out, I think it worked out better than people thought, you know? That's true. So I would say, in terms of, maybe because I have lower, like, for some people, if you have lower standards, it's more of a success, Mm -hmm. or lower expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I think just like a bit of a tiny bit of a failure just because there's no or there's not as much accountability as I would have expected out of this. I also know that like in the terms of like input right from a variety of people one indigenous people but also younger people know there are more younger active uh, like environmental activists and I know they weren't necessarily included in COP26. Oh, yeah, that too. That's a big one. So, although, like, of course, get things done, that's good. And even, like, it's, I have, I don't know how to say it. Like, I have very, I'm not sure where I stand on this, like, forcing this, like, diversity inclusion thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for a because cop like it, this, I think that's necessary. Yeah, it does get weird. Mm-hmm. But I do think young people are very vital to the to like to the conversation about climate change mm-hmm. and they just weren't there you know which i think is just super unfortunate well anyway thank you so much for joining this i guess knowledge-packed conversation about cop 26 <laughs> i we really hope you enjoyed it Claire's because giving... i'm dishing out facts y'all but i just yeah claire's <laughs> knowledgeable i just hope you guys you know took something away from this and I hope you guys care about climate change just as much as we do, just because it's such a urgent and pressing topic to talk about. But before we leave you guys today, we still have our 
super fun thing to do on Sunday. So a fun thing to do on Sunday to start your week off right is to take a day trip. So I know we've talked about taking a rest day or something, but instead I think this time you should go out. I know it's getting cold, like in most places, aka the northern hemisphere, it's getting colder and you know you want to stay inside, but no, get some sunlight. It's good for you. Serotonin, vitamin D. Get in the holiday spirit. I think that's a good thing to do because mm-hmm. there's a lot of decorations now outside. I know I've walked through like neighborhoods before, but, like we've driven through neighborhoods that are famous for having Christmas and holiday decorations up. There's also like downtown city, like downtown cities and stuff where their trees are always glowing. So, or malls, or malls, or like the big Christmas trees. Oh, they're so fun to look at. Decorate a Christmas tree, too, if you want. That'd be cool, if you believe in that. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a good Sunday!